the second section in a certain respect of Likute Maran, we said that the first 15 chapters of Likute Maran were describing the statements of Rabbi Barbarchana, the Guzmois of Rabbi Barbarchana, as they're called, in the Baba Basra. Tonight we begin a new chapter on Likute Maran that's not based on a statement that Rabbi Barbarchana made, but rather a story related to Rabbi Yechanan that's similar to a degree to the types of stories that were told earlier by Rabbi Barbarchana. This shear was given around the time that Rabbi Nosanzal was first in the Scar of Tarabenazal. And what happened was, there, we know that there are six basic times during the year where Abenazal told his Talmidim to come to him. Special times to gather to him for special shiurim. One was Rosh Hashanah. The, four, the most important one was Rosh Hashanah. Next is Shavuos. Then Shabbos Chanukah. Shabbos Shira. Shabbos Nachamu. And one other Shabbos. The, the, other, the, the third Shabbos was a floating Shabbos, in a sense. A special time when Rabbein Azal would either go to his Talmidim to visit them, to travel to one of the cities where there were an assemblage of his Talmidim and to spend Shabbos with them, or them coming to him. This Shabbos specifically, when this shear was said, was not one of those times. And for some strange reason, a large group of Rabbeinazal's Talmidim came to him for Shabbos. Rabbeinazal commented, what are you making your own Shabbos now? Like you're making your own times when to come to me? In other words, seemingly upset with the fact that they had come to him. However, despite that, Rabbeinazal said, I want you to know that it's not coincidental that you're all gathered here. Because of the fact that I wanted to do something special, regarding a certain gzeirah that the Goyim have issued against the Yidden. And we know, just as the Gemara says, by Elisha Hanavi, that there are times that he's called Elisha, and there are times that he's called Elisha Ishwalikim. The Gemara says, when Elisha was by himself, he's known as Elisha. When he was together with his Talmidim, he's called Elisha Ishwalikim, the heavenly person meaning that he had much greater strength, much greater power, because his Talmidim were with him. Even a tzaddik as great as Elisha Novi, you would say he doesn't need anybody else, and yet the Torah says clearly that there's a difference when he's alone or with his Talmidim. So Rabbein Azal said here also, he obviously needed the help that he would receive from having his Talmidim gathered around him in order to be able to accomplish what he wanted to. That Friday night, Rabbein Azal gave a shir, and the shir is what, what, what we find in Likut Imran, Torah Chof Dalid, in Likut Imran Chelik Aleph, which is one of the deepest chapters in Likut Imran, where Rabbein Azal explains the Kabbalistic secrets of what happens when a person does a mitzvah with simcha, that specific item. It's by far one of the deepest shirim, and on Shabbos morning, Rabbein Azal gave the shear that we're going to discuss now. Rabbein Azal discusses putting down the nations of the world, the koyach of the Yidin, to subdue the nations of the Goyim. This is a relatively short Torah and, and seemingly easy in terms of pshat. If, ever, if anybody pays attention, they shouldn't have any difficulty in following and understanding it. Rabbein Azal begins with a story in the Gemara. The Gemara says, Rabbi Yochanan Mishtoi. Rabbi Yochanan once said, Zimna Chodah have a Kozlinam Besvinta. 
One time I was riding in a ship, the Chazina Hai Kavra, and I saw a certain large fish, the Apik Reshe Mimaya, and this fish picked its head up out of the water. Vidamya Ene Kitre Sierra, and the two eyes of this fish in the darkness, when we saw it, it looked like two moons. Siharo is the Aramaic word for Levana. Venofoitz mayo mitarte usia, and the fish was blowing water from its nose, from its two nostrils, kitre mavri de Surya, and the water was flowing so strong like the two rivers of Surya two large rivers. Obviously, this was a very large fish, and when it was blowing water out of its nostrils, the water flowed so strong like the water that flows in these rivers of Surya. In the Rashbam, v'nofoitz, v'nofoitz maya, v'shofach. It means the water was spilling forth from its nose. Usia, nechirov. Usia is the Aramaic word for nostrils. Mavri de Surya, Nahorois Shebesuria, rivers of Surya. So here Abenazal quotes the story in the Gemara, which seems relatively simple, riding in a ship. They saw a, a large fish, picked its head up out of water. The eyes appeared like two moons, and water was shooting forth from its two nostrils like the two rivers of Surya. Now Rabbeinazal is going to go on to take apart this story, each word explaining what it represents, and we're going to be able to understand a tremendous important thing about how tzaddikim function, number one, and so too something that applies to us also in being able to succeed in serving Hashem, avoiding a certain problem. Rabbi Nezal explains, V'chazino hai kavra, we saw a certain fish, shehu hatzadik hamechuna b'shem dog kiodua. Fish refers to a tzaddik, who is nicknamed Fish, as is known. And here there's a reference to the Sefer Mo'ire Oyer, Erech Dog, which is one of the Sifrei Kabbalah in the section that speaks about Fish. There, obviously, he explains how Fish is the symbol of Tzaddik. We've mentioned before, Rebbe Zal mentions in his Shurim, in Likud Emaran Shurim, that number one, we find that just as Tzaddikim cannot live without Torah, so too a fish can't live out of the water. We know that water is usually used to represent Torah. So fish in water is like a tzaddik in Torah. That's one association. The other association is, the Gemara says that animals, cows or goats or sheep are nishchotin, yishech them. Whereas fish do not require shechita. The Gemara says, Asifoson zui shechitoson. Gathering them in, that's their shechita. You don't have to do anything more than simply a fish that's kosher. There's no special process of killing it that's needed. By gathering it up out of the water, that's considered its shechita. Just as we find by tzaddikim, just as we had in this past week's parsha, by Yaakov Avinu, by Yosef HaTzadik, by Yigva, by Yosef El Amov. He was gathered into his people. This term Asifa is used also specifically about tzaddikim, as is used for fish. So we see that tzaddikim are compared to fish. So Rabbeinazal says the fish represents the tzaddik. The apik reishemi mayo. Vedamya ene kitre sihari. Venofuitzmayo mitre usio kitre mavre de surya. Rabbein Azal explains now. 
כי אי אפשר לצדק להיות מחשבתוי משויטת תומד בחוכמויס עליונוס. It's impossible for a tzaddik to have his mind always floating in heavenly wisdoms or always attached to deep chachmois. At times, a tzaddik has to go out, outside of the water. He's got a, a fish, usually we know. A fish goes out of water, it dies. Here Rabbi Nezal says there are times when the tzaddik has to pick his head up out of the water. The tzaddik has to take his mind out of the Torah and take it to other items. Divrei oilam. Kemoyisham ruchazal, as the Gemara says in Menachos, pa'omim bitulo shel Torah zui kiyuma. At times, bitul Torah, stopping to learn Torah, is what will help the Torah to have a kiyum. Meaning, there are important times when what a tzaddik is supposed to do to serve Hashem is to interrupt his learning. And when the fish lifted his head up out of the water, when the tzaddik lifts his head up and, t- and removes it from these heavenly wisdoms, then his eyes appear to be like two moons. The concept of a person opening his eyes, the eyes being opened, is a concept of wisdom. As the Pesach says, when Odom and Chava ate from the Eitz Hadas, they ate from the Eitz Hadas, so they received Das. How does the Pesach describe their increase in Das? Their eyes were opened. So we see that the eyes opening represents a concept of chokhmah, wisdom. When the tzaddik is being oisek in chokhmah satoyro, in chokhmah salyoinois, azai enov bebechinas shemesh. Then at that time, the tzaddik's eyes represent the shemesh, the light of the sun. We know that there's a posik that says, Chochma Sodom Toyer Ponov, that the wisdom of a person lights up his face. Which part of the face that is, does it light up the most? The posik says, That when a person wants to learn Torah, their eyes are supposed to look into the eyes of their rabbi. Why? Because the eyes are what reflect the Chochma most, this Oyer, this Vatipokachno Ene Shneim, this Chochma. So Rabbi Nezal says that when the tzaddik is being oisek in chokhmois, then his eyes represent the sun. And when the tzaddik takes himself out of this heavenly wisdom, then it's a concept of the sun setting. Just like by the sun, we know there's a time when it shines brightly, and there's a time when the sun sets, it goes away. So too, if the sun here represents the tzaddik being oisik and chachmois, when the tzaddik interrupts his learning, it's a concept of sunset. Ukishebo hashemesh, and we know that when the sun sets, azai nishtarim enov bebechinas siari, then the eyes of the tzaddik take on the form of moons. 
Because we know that when does the moon really give off its true light? Only when the sun leaves. This is what it means when the Pasuk says that our eyes glow like the sun and like the moon. There are times when our eyes glow like the sun. When we are steeped in Chochmah, when we're oisik in learning, at that time the eyes glow like the sun. And there are times when the eyes don't shine that brightly, but they're still shining. Their shine is compared to the glow of the moon. When we take ourselves out of this process of, of swimming in the Chochmah, of floating in the Chochmah. Now Rabbi Nezal says, V'nofoitz mayo mitreusio and the water was shooting forth from the two nostrils of this fish, the nostrils, the two nostrils represent the two Moshiachs. We know that Moshiach is compared to the concept of the nose. Ruach Apenu, Moshiach Hashem. Moshiach is called the Ruach Apenu, the breath that comes from our nostrils. So the two nostrils symbolize the two Moshiachs, Moshiach ben Yosef and Moshiach ben David. We know that Yaakov Avinu had two major wives. He had two wives that were shvachos. But of the two most of the wives that were most important, there was Rachel and Leah. And it's brought that from each one of these, there's going to come forth a Moshiach. From Leah is going to come forth Moshiach ben David, who comes from Yehuda. Yehuda is the beginning of, of, of the Malchus based David. From Rochel is going to come forth Moshiach ben Yosef, who comes from Shevet Ephraim. So now Rabbi Nezal says that the water coming from the two nostrils represents the two Moshiachs. She'alehem ho'akum yidroishu. To them, all the Goyim, all the nations of the Goyim are going to be searching for them and seeking them out. And all the Goyim are going to feel themselves drawn to these two Moshiachs. As the Pasuk says, That all the nations of the world will gather together, will flock to whom? To Moshiach. Note that the, the water flowed like the two rivers of Surya. Watch how Rabbi Nezal explains this. Sura zebechinas akum. Syria, or Sura in Aramaic, represents the nations of the Goyim. Al-Shem Avoidezorah, who are referred to in general as idol worshippers. Kamashekosov soru maher minaderech. When the Torah wants to talk about the fact that the Yidin worshipped Avoidezorah, it says they turned away from the path of Hashem. So we see the term soru refers to turning away from Hashem, which is the symbol of the Goyim. The Yidin are the ones who are Pnei Hashem, they're facing towards Hashem. The Goyim are the ones who turn their back on Hashem. This concept of soru minaderech. So the two rivers of Surya, Sura, Sura represents the nations of the Goyim. 
Vehem Nichlolim Bishte Umois. We know that in total there are seventy nations of the Goyim, but these seventy nations have two captains that are over them. Asov these 70 nations are split up into two groups. 35 nations are under the leadership of Esav. 35 nations are under the leadership of Yishmoel. And through these two Moshiachs, Moshiach ben Yosef and Moshiach ben David, Shehem Treusio, they represent the two nostrils of the fish, the fish is tzaddik. The two nostrils represents two types of tzaddikim, Moshiach ben Yosef, Moshiach ben David. Bechinas ruach apenu Moshiach Hashem, because we know that the after nose represents Moshiach, al yodom yigalu. Through them, the yidn are going to be redeemed, are going to have a gula. And all the nations of the world are going to be drawn to them like rivers, like rivers flowing. That's how all the nations of the Goyim are going to come flowing towards these two Moshiachs. To learn the Dvar Hashem. Utrain umin inin ananin de these two nations of Esav and Yishmoel represent two clouds that cover up the eyes. This item is mentioned in the Zohar Kodesh and it's mentioned, Rabbein Azal talks about it also, that there is a concept of Mo'ire Oyer, there is a concept in Judaism of light, and, and this light represents, is represented by many different things. Torah, Kiner Mitzvah, Torah Oyer, Torah is compared to light. Tzadikim. Tzadikim are also compared to light. Oyer zarua tzadik. Or we find in the Gemara that the tzadikim are called the Ene ho'eda, the eyes of the Jewish people. They're the ones who give direction. So they're also called light. And the Beis Hamikdosh is also called the eyes of Bnei Yisrael. Go'in uzchem, machmad einechem, the Gemara says. The Gemara quotes a Pesach saying that the Beis Hamikdash is the beauty of the eyes of Bnei Yisrael. The Gemara says whoever didn't see the Beis Hamikdash of Hurdus never saw beauty in his life. So we see that the Beis Hamikdash was something beautiful to look at, something that the eyes received pleasure from. The two Bote Mikdoshos, the fact that we had two Beis Hamikdashes so far, corresponds to a concept of two eyes. The fact that these two Bote Mikdoshes were destroyed, the Zohar HaKadosh says, represents the Anonin de Mechassin al Just as the light is sometimes blocked out by clouds, the, the mocker of light, which is the sun, when the sun's light is supposed to be shining through, sometimes there are clouds that block that light from coming through. So too, by the light of the Beis Hamikdash, it's brought that there are these train ananin, the mechasin alhainim. There are these two clouds that cover up the eyes, representing these two nations of Esav and Yishmuel, who block this light, who destroy and cover up this light of the Beis Hamikdash, this light of the Torah. So Rabbein Azal says, they represent these anonin de mechasin alhoinin, she'ein yecholin lohoyer tomid bebechinas shemesh. It's because of them that the eyes are not able to shine continually like the sun. 
ובשביל זה הצדיק, צורך הצדיק לבטל את דבקוסוי. It's because these two clippers are around Esav and Yishmoel, and they try to block this light. Because of them, they make it impossible for the tzaddik to always be looking at the light. Because if he would, it would force these clippers to be misgaber in a way that would cause tremendous harm. Therefore, what happens is the tzaddik has to interrupt this light, this oil, in order, in a sense, that these clippers, Esav and Yishmoel, should also pull back, should also not be able to cause their complete damage. So that, because if the tzaddik would not interrupt, what would happen is these two nations, Esav Yishmoel, would be misgaber too much, and they could destroy his chachma completely. Why? For now, for now, all we need to know is that this is the way Hashem has designed the world. This is the way Hashem has designed the concept of Kiddush and Tumah, that both must exist. And, and there's a tremendous balance that has to be kept in how much Kiddusha there is. Because when the Kiddusha tries to become too much, automatically it forces a reaction on the other side. The Tumah is Mizgaber also, in a way that could cause un, un, a, a certain kind of damage that's irreparable. So that therefore, at times, we must hold back in terms of the Kedusha in order that the Klippos, the Tumah, should not have the, the permission or the excuse to be able to be misgaber beyond control. Just as, for example, Rabbi Nezal mentioned in another turn, Kutimran, that how is it possible that we don't have Sforim today from Avraham Avinu, Yitzchak Avinu, Yaakov Avinu. These people taught religion to their children. Certainly they wrote Sforim. Where are their Sforim? Where are the Sforim of Avraham Yitzchak Yaakov, the Sforim of the Nevi'im, Yehoshua? All of these Sadikim certainly wrote Sforim. Rabbi Nassau explains that just that, that, that there is, a, that, that the, the Rishoim, such as Yerovam Benevot and other Rishoim, they also wrote books on Apikursus, which if those books were around today, they would be able to wipe out the Jewish people completely. The Gemara says how powerful the Koyach HaMoshech of Avodah was at that time. Therefore, in order to force those books from going out of circulation, what happened was the Sforum of Kedusha also had to be destroyed. Now you would say, usually we assume that the power of Kedusha is stronger than the power of Tumor. So shouldn't it be always that the good guys win, the Kedusha wins, and like, what's the big deal? Leave them both in and the Kedusha will certainly win. It seems from here that that's not always the case. That there are certain times where the Kedusha has to forfeit, has to give in a little bit, not a lot, give in a little bit in order to gain a lot of protection from the side of Tumor, from the side of Klippa, as Rabbi Nezal is going to explain here now. Right, right. Does Rabbi Nachman here write the Gamri because when the Tzadi breaks his... Um, Connection, he, he's been a little bit. Is that what he means? Exactly. He has to give up a little so the won't totally... Exa- In other words, if he's not willing to interrupt, 
to do that slight interruption, if he tries to go too far, what happens is the klipas can be misgaber in such a way that they'll destroy his, his chach malagamri. Just as the famous moshal that we mentioned many times, ribui shemen goyrem kiboy haner. The fact that if you have a lamp, there was the, the lamps in the olden days, if you would turn up, if you wanted to make the fire brighter, you would turn up the wick, you would give more wick or more oil to it, and it would cause the thing to burn more brightly. But it was known that if you turned it up a drop too far, the fire would become so hot that it would cause the glass on the outside to shatter and burst, and the whole thing would go out. Either the whole house would go up in flames sometimes, or if not, the whole thing would just burst and burn out and turn to nothing. So we see there's a concept of regulating, of turning down the fire in order to avoid a certain complete destruction, a complete burnout. That if the Kedusha tries to go up too far, that's the point. In other words, there always has to be Bechira, which means there has to be a balance that's maintained between Kedusha and Tumah. That balance, Hashem describes how it's supposed to be. The way Hashem created the world, the balance is in such a way that it's impossible, for example, for a person to stay up without going to sleep for a week or for two weeks, right? person has to go to sleep. Why? Because this concept of sleep represents an interrupt in the Chochmah, where the brain shuts down. He closes the eyes. Why? Because that's what keeps the Klippos in check also. Nighttime is a time when the Tumah is Mizgaber, when the Klippos are Mizgaber. In order for them to be controlled, the Kiddush also has to be willing to give up a little, in a sense, and keep itself within a boundary. So now Rabbi Nezal says, that's all nowadays in Oilam Hazer, when there's Kiddush and Tumor, when there's Klippos, when there's Ace of Yishmoel. Fine, that's when you have to follow these specific rules. Avol al Yidei train Meshichin, but through the two Moshiachs, Sheyofutsu Mainoisehem Chutzo. The Torah says that when, Mashiach will, will, when the Mashiachs will come, then the Torah will no longer be limited among Klal Yisrael. Today it's, today, it's brought that a Jew who teaches Torah to a Goy is Chayev Misa. A Goy Sheshovas, a Goy who keeps Shabbos today is Chayev Misa. And a Jew is not supposed to teach Torah to a Goy. Why? Because today we have to work within all of these boundaries, within all of these tzimtzumim, to make sure that the Tumah doesn't get more than it's supposed to get and use it against the Yidin. But when, the Mosh- when Mashiach will come, and then the Torah says clearly that Mashiach is going to be able to take the light outside the boundaries, they're going to be able to accomplish spreading the light of the Torah even to the Goyim, in a way where it'll be constructive, not the opposite. The Pesach says, Where is this Pesach? I don't recall this minute. We can check it. There's a Pesach that says that then in the future, Hashem will give, will turn around all the nations of the Goyim, that they will all call out, acknowledge Hashem, and accept Hashem. So we see that then there's not going to have to be any fear of attack, or any fear of them working against us, the nations of the Goyim. They're going to be together with us. Then there won't be any more kashemesh v'kayoreach. Then there won't be any more difference to 
two different levels. One level when you're Isaac in Torah, and another level when you have to take a break, when the sun sets and a smaller light goes on. Not no light. When the tzaddik is mevatel from Torah, it doesn't mean he shuts down completely. It means he's not into Chochmah Salyonis. He's not into his highest level Dvekus, but he's still definitely plugged into the Torah. You can still see by the light of the moon. It's not as bright as the sun. So therefore, when Mashiach comes, then it says the Levona and the Shemesh are going to be equal. And then the Tzaddik will no longer have to be Mevatel from his Dveikus. He'll be able to be Dovuk Tashem continually. Then there won't be any concept of Yerida Letzorach Ali anymore. Nowadays, there's a concept of taking a break. And the break allows for a yishachus, it allows for a higher aliyah, all of this concept of vayhi ere, vayhi voiker, yoim echod, these cycles. Then, vahoyo yoim echod yivod al Hashem. The Apostlech says there'll come a time when it'll be kula yoim, asher hula yoim, v'loy lailo. There won't be any difference between night and day. The sun and the moon will be equal, which corresponds to this concept of Moshiach ben Yosef and Moshiach ben David. Because Yosef, the, the Mephorshim mentioned this in the back, Yosef is a piece of Yaakov. The Apostlech says, Ele toldos Yaakov Yosef. That who is the main carbon copy of Yaakov Avinu? Yosef HaTzadik. We know there's a Medrash that says that one of the nicknames of Yaakov Avinu is Shemesh. He's called the sun. So Moshiach ben Yosef represents the light of the sun. David represents the moon. Kiddush Levona, that's when we say David Melech Yisrael Chayvekayim. This concept of these two Moshiachs represents a concept of the sun and moon coming together, joining forces and becoming equals, where there won't have to be anymore this Bitula Shel Torah Zui Kiyuma. Now, this concept applies to the Tzadik Emes. Rabbi Nezal presents it here, applying to Tzadikim, the Meforshim here, and Rabbi Nelson's, I'll explain, that, that on a lower level, the Apostlech says, Va'amech kulam Tzadikim, that the entire Jewish nation, in a certain sense, is classified as Tzadikim. So that therefore, this item definitely applies to people also, that a, a Jew who would want to be Dovuk Tashem, there's no question at all that the Iker, Dveikus Tashem, is Torah and Tefillah, those items, when a person's heavy into those items. However, each person on his level has a certain boundary, where if he tries for too much, if he tries to go too far, to, to put himself too much in Torah and Tefillah, it can bring about an opposite reaction of destruction. He won't be Mepharnas' family, or he'll burn out in all kinds of different ways. Therefore, there has to be this boundary, this tzimtzum, of knowing this concept of Pa'omim Bitula Shel where normally we say that a fish out of water is dead, so if the Torah is compared to water, and the Yidden are like fish in water, then, then the second I go out, I'm finished. Here we see from this Gemara that even the fish 
sometimes takes his head out of the water. And that's part of his existence. That's part of allowing him to exist. So too by year, there are times that he has to be mevatel, whether it be to go search for a parnosa, or whether it be to provide certain basic functions of the body, eating, drinking, sleeping, whether it be travel time to go learn. A person walks to go to a place, to a Beis or to a Beis Medrash. All of these items represent this va'apek reishem imaya, a concept of an interrupt, whereby this interrupt is necessary in order for the person to come to a shlemus. And if a person tries to skip this step, Rabbi Nezal says he'll bring the roof down upon himself. If a person miscalculates and tries for too much, just as if a person does too little, a person learns too little, or davens too little, we know certainly the person is dead. He's half dead, or three quarters dead, or 25% dead, whatever it is. Whatever chisorn is in him, so too if he tries for too much, he doesn't know how to pace himself, where to put in the interruptions, the intervals, here also Rabbi Nezal says he could definitely cause destruction. Because the way Hashem created the world was, vayhi erev, vayhi that there's a night and there's a day. There's Yoreach. There are times when you're in a state of Yerida. Yerida doesn't mean divorce yourself completely from religion. It means hold on to whatever minimum, stand your ground in terms of whatever minimum you can do. Yoreach, like the light of the moon. It's dark, you can't see well, but it's something. It's better than total darkness. And then to, to wait for the time when the morning comes and the sun is ready to shine again, when the person is ready for his next gulp of Torah. That's why a person has to have an attitude. If a person is zoich, let's say, to have shiurim kvuim during the day, where he learns for an hour or two, or three or six, whatever that person's level is, while he's learning, he's supposed to be on fire, burning, light. When he's forced to stop learning, the attitude isn't supposed to be, shucks, terrible, now I'm cutting off from Hashem completely, but rather I'm shifting gears. Now it's kayoreach. It's not that I'm cutting myself off completely, but I know that there has to be this bechin of yoreach, otherwise, chas v'shon, it could cause yizbatel chas v'shon chachmosi legamri. If he tries for too much, then he gets overtired, and he falls asleep in the middle of the learning, and then it's nothing, he loses everything. And this item, Rabbein Azal and Rabbein Azal stress, takes tremendous shikul adas. How is a person supposed to figure out how much? And certainly how much for me? What the amount for me isn't necessarily the same as somebody else. Each person has their own level. This requires a lot of tefillah. A person has to beg Hashem for guidance in this item. This is part of where we daven every day, that Hashem should give us advice. We mention this many times. That the Soton, in dealing with a person, he works in two directions. We picture Hashem as being in front of us, and a Jew is trying to get close to Hashem. There are times that the Soton steps in between the person and Hashem, pushing the person away, trying to block the person from learning or davening or doing those things. That's one type of Soton, which is a very serious problem. Rabbi Nezal says that when a person decides to become a Balchuva, he wants to become religious, then the Sata knows that if he stands in front of him and says, don't learn, don't daven, don't give tzedakah, he's not going to succeed. The person isn't looking to hear that. So what the Sata does, he doesn't leave completely. He moves behind the person and he starts shoving. You want to you come close to Hashem? Great. Don't walk, run. 
and he tries to push the person faster than the person is capable of, whether it be in stucco, whether it be in learning, whether it be in any aspect of Kiddusha. And either one is destructive. It's the same Malach. It's the same Malach who's looking to destroy the person. It's just taking on two different forms. Once we're being told this, once we're told that this is how this Malach works, and he is a Malach, he's no dummy, he doesn't come to a person with simple, silly things. He'll work out very complicated, devious plans where a person doesn't even realize that they're miscalculating. A person will be dealing in an issue of shalom bias or something else, and it'll look to them like they're doing a mitzvah, they're doing the right thing. I'm fighting for justice, I'm fighting for emes. And for his emes, he'll destroy a family. And that's not something, that's, that's not what the Torah permits. Hashem says, let the Torah be erased. Just like the sporim of Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov were erased in order to subdue the klipos. Here also, a person has to know that sometimes he has to be willing to submit, to give up certain things in order to keep the klipos in check. Because if he, if he tries for too much, he'll get nothing. He'll have complete destruction. Elamai, for a person to make this cheshben on their own is very dangerous. Because even there, the satan will use this against the person. Oh, don't learn how your wife wants to go here, go here with her, she wants to go there, go there with her. And a person will overdo it in a way that's also wrong. That's not necessarily, the Torah set up boundaries there also. And the wife represents the moon serving the sun, all kinds of different things. So obviously for this, a person requires tremendous eitzatoiva, a lot of tefillah, and a lot of Torah. The Torah itself offers many suggestions in showing a person when to give in, when not to give in. When a person's sick, for example, when a person's health is in very bad shape, there, Rabbein Ezzel said a statement, then you put aside everything else, first correct your health, and then go back to your fire, go back to your learning. Whereas other times, when the Sutton is just trying to get a person to be lazy and sluggish, then it's a time to fight and to try to be as strong as you can. Rab Nosen Zal in uses this concept to exp- uses this Torah to explain many different concepts. For example, we know that the Gemara says, Ish ve'isha, sholim b'neihem, shechina shruya b'neihem, that when a husband and wife get married, that's an union of a Kiddush Hashem. When a husband and wife are together, there's shalom between them, and there's actually a yichud between them, that generates a tremendous Kiddusha. There's Hashroa Sashchina, there's a tremendous Kiddush Hashem. If so, why is there a concept of Nida? Why is there a concept of separation? If the whole, if, if, if the biggest Kiddush Hashem is when they're together, shalom, why is there a need for this? Rab Nosanzal explains, again, it's this Pa'omim Bitula Shel Torah Zui Kiyuma. Because this item, which seems so holy and so pure, too much is destructive. When it gets out of line too much, it goes to the klipois, the klipois grab onto it, and it becomes a dirty item. It becomes an ugly item. Whereas if a person limits it to the standards of the Torah, then it's considered a kedusha. Then it's considered constructive. Rav Zal also brings Legabi Ashul. We know that there are two items. There are things that are called Tashmishe Kedusha, and there are things that are called Tashmishe Mitzvah. Tashmishe Kedusha refers to higher level items. Tashmishe Mitzvah refers to lower level items. It's brought that by Tashmishe Kedusha, 
You're not allowed to lower it at any time. You're not allowed to use it. Even once its function is done, you're not allowed to use it for anything else. Tashmishem mitzvah, you are allowed to use it for other things. You are allowed to use it once the mitzvah has been accomplished. You're allowed to use this item for ordinary purposes also. Rav Nosenzal explains this concept of Tashmishem Kedusha and Tashmishem mitzvah corresponds to Oilam Haba and Oilam Hazer. In Oilam Haba, it's going to be a concept of a constant Kedusha, where there's no such thing as lowering. There's no such thing as going down. It's one straight line. Therefore, that type of Kedusha cannot be lowered at all. You're not allowed to lower it. Whereas Tashmishe Mitzvah represents the concept of Olam Hazer, where the Shekhinah itself sometimes comes down. Vayered Hashem al Har Sinai. Or the concept of the Ner Chanukah, where the Shekhinah usually does not go down below 10 Tvachim, on Chanukah it does go down. This whole concept of a certain light that goes down temporarily where the sole purpose of its going down is to move up, to cause a, an aliyah. And this is the same concept of a tzaddik being oisik and being mekar of people. Rabbein Azal's brother, Rabbi Chiyazal, was once talking to Rabbein Azal, and he said to him that this whole business of being mekar of people is such a hassle, because he understood that if you want to be mekar of somebody, it's forbidden to go over to the person, grab him, and say, you know what it says in the Torah, you're not allowed to do that. Or you're supposed to do this. He understood that that's treif, that causes chil Hashem, that causes destruction. There's no way you're going to grab a person like that. In order to be makar of somebody, it requires being able to speak sichas chulen. It requires becoming friendly with the person first. Now, depending on how far the person is from Kedusha, you have to be able to become friendly with him on his level. As, as far removed from the Torah is, you have to first meet him in his place. Once you meet him there and you make a connection, how? By speaking, by discussing worldly matters and those things, with your mind concentrating that you're waiting and hoping for an opening to be able to sneak in a sprinkle of Torah, the tiniest Dvar Torah, the tiniest little good. If a person has that kavona, the Mephorshim say, the person will be given the opening. He'll do it. If he'll do it really lishma, you'll see it'll work like the biggest charm in the world. At first you make a connection with the person in terms of things that he understands and accepts and relates to. But because your kavona is that you want to bring him close to Kedusha and Torah, if you'll do it slowly and with seichel and with tefillah, an opening will be created if you'll be there at the time, if you're home at the time, or you're in your own shul, your own base medish, learning by yourself at the time, you won't catch him. If you're involved with him, when that opening comes, you grab it, then you got the person, and then you're able to take him in gradually, inch by inch, into the Kedusha. So Rabbi Chilzal said, what do I need this for? That whole chunk of time that's spent discussing the worldly stuff, that's baloney, that's bitul Torah. Rabbi Nezal said to him, you're wrong. That's the Beetle Torah Zui Kiyuma. That's a certain time. That five-minute or five-hour interruption is worth it because if you get that person and he becomes religious, he's not going to do five hours worth of mitzvahs. He's going to do 5,000 hours worth of mitzvahs and his wife and his children. And you'll have a piece. He becomes a factory of mitzvahs, a factory of kedusha, and you have a piece of it. You have a piece of every mitzvah and every aspect of kedusha that you helped to activate. 
So these are all, plus Rabbi Nezal gives many other examples of this. So obviously this is something very important. A Jew who wants to live in this world and be religious in this world has to know that it's not steady. It's not a straight line. It's mountains and valleys. It's ups and downs. It's certain times where a person's intensely involved in Torah and he blocks out the entire world. He blocks out the whole creation. There's no food. There's no women. There's no body. There's no money. There's nothing. There's only Hashem. There's only the Torah and those things. And when that finishes, when that closes down, He's prepared to go into another phase of Avoidah Sashem, whose purpose is to take me through the stretch of time until I'm ready to go back again into this Shemesh, into this light of the sun. Halavai, we should be zeicher to understand this and to accept this advice from Rabbi Nezal. The one who's saying this is the one who knew this advice for success in learning Torah or in religion Bechlal the best. Allah we should be zeichet to follow his advice and his example, and thereby be zeichet to the true success in Torah, in Avodah Hashem, in being Mekarath people. Note the final statement here was that there's going to come a time where through the two Moshiachs, through this combination of Shemesh Yoreach, you'll be Mekarath the whole world. Because these two Moshiachs represent Shemesh Yoreach, they can be Mekarath the whole world. So to a tzaddik, the Zohar Kodesh says that the letter Aleph in the Aleph base represents a tzaddik. The, the Aleph is made up of three parts. There's like a Yud on top, a Yud on bottom, and a Vav in the middle. Yud, Yud, Vav is Bigimatria, Yud, Ke, Vav, Ke. So the Zohar Kodesh says that this Yud, Ke, Vav, Ke, the Shem Hashem, is the tzaddik. There, there are many psukim that show that, that this concept of Shem Hashem, Shmoi Meshutov Bishmenu, that by the Tzadikim, Hashem's name is attached to theirs. Horo Uveini, Hashemoini, there are many proofs to this. So the, the Zohar Kodesh says that this letter Aleph represents a Tzadik, Vov, always represents the Tzadik Yesoi, the sixth sphere, which is Yesoi, which is Tzadik, who is Kolul mitrain Mashiachim, a tzaddik who holds on to both Mashiachs. The two Yuds represent Mashiach ben Yosef, Mashiach ben David. That there is a tzaddik who's kolul from both of these, meaning he understands how to use, how to manipulate these two powers, the sun and the moon, correctly. This concept of the beetle, the shemesh nyoreach, the, the beetle and the intensity, to use it constructively. By following this advice to get to see the coming of Moshiach. I didn't tell him we have uh, discussed this before, but and now it seems to say on this level, hey, look, a sense to be not equals, but it says also learning to and also recognizing that. Is it, is it going to be a combination? All, all three, a hundred percent. It's brought that all three of those, those, that there are going to be goyim who are going to be wiped out completely. The goyim that represent klipois that correspond to the three klipois, they're going to be wiped out completely. There are goyim who will be nichlal in the kedusha, <coughs> just like Shabbos is able to grab a piece of Friday and a piece of Sunday, so too Shabbos represents Losed Lova, Yom Shekulei Shabbos. There are going to be certain parts of the Tumah that are going to be Nichlal inside of it, and so too there are going to be Hasidei Umo who actually have their own Ganeid.
not the not equal to the Ganeit and the Yidden, but the concept of being able to see Hashem on their level, a hundred percent. How did you come to the analysis of the Aleph? Excuse me. We said that this concept of the two Moshiachs, because Rabbi Nezal mentions the two Moshiachs, and he mentions a tzaddik. The Zohar HaKadosh says that there is a tzaddik who is, that, that when Moshiachs are going to come, there's going to be a combination of three that are going to be Goyal Yisrael. Moshe, Moshiach ben Yosef, Moshiach ben David. Those three are going to take the Yidna out of Golos. And that's symbolized by this letter Aleph. Which stands for the tzaddik. Exactly. 